0: chapter 2 of mrs bindle by herbert jenkins this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by don w jenkins chapter 2 mrs bindle's washing day 1 shush like a silver flash the contents of a water jug descended upon the back of the moth-eaten sandy cat engaged in excavating mrs bindle's geranium bed a curve of yellow and mrs sawney's sandy had taken the dividing wall between number seven and number nine in one movement and the drama was over mrs bindle closed her parlour window she refilled the jug placing it ready for the next delinquent and then returned to her domestic duties on the other side of a thin partitioning wall mrs sawney left the window from which she had viewed her cat's attack upon mrs bindle's geranium bed and Mrs. Bindle's counter-attack upon Sandy's person. Passing into the small passage, she opened the front door, her lips set in a determined line. "'Sandy! Sandy! Sandy!' she called, in accents that caused Sandy, now three gardens away, to pause in the act of shaking his various members, one by one, in an endeavor to disembarrass himself of the contents of Mrs. Bindle's water-jug sandy 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 cooed mrs sawney poor pussy the tone of his mistress voice rendered sandy suspicious as to her intentions he was a cat who had fought his way from kittenhood to a three-year-old and that with the loss of nothing more conspicuous than the tip of his left ear he could not remember the time when he had not been engaged in warfare either predatory or defensive and he had accumulated much wisdom in the process sandy 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 puss 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 mrs sawney's tone grew in mellowness as her anger increased poor pussy with a final shake of his near hind leg sandy put two more gardens between himself and that voice and proceeded to damn to-morrow's weather by washing clean over his right ear mrs sawney closed her front door and retired to the regions that knew her best in her heart was a great anger water had been thrown over her cat an act which according to mrs sawney's code of ethics constituted a personal affront it was monday and with mrs sawney the effect of the monday morning feeling coupled with the purifying of the domestic linen was a sore trial to her never very philosophical nature to-morrow'll be your washing-day she muttered as she poked down the clothes in the bubbling copper with a long stick bleached and furred by constant immersion in boiling water i'm sure throwing water over my cat the stuck-up baggage late that afternoon she called upon mrs grimps who lived at number five to return the scrubbing-board she had borrowed that morning with mrs sawney to borrow was to manifest the qualities of neighbourliness and one of her grievances against Mrs. Bindle was that she was too stuck up to borrow a pin. Had Sandy heard the sentiments that fell from his mistress' lips that afternoon, and had he not been the Ulysses among cats that he undoubtedly was, he would have become convinced that a new heaven or a new earth was in prospect. As it was, Sandy was two streets away, engaged in an affair with a lady of piebald appearance and coy demeanor. When half an hour later mrs sawney returned to number nine her expression was even more grim the sight of the pink tie-ups with which the white lace curtains at number seven were looped back rendered her forgetful of her recently expressed sentiments she sent sandy at express speed from her sight and soundly boxed harriet's ears mrs sawney was annoyed two all her life mrs bindle had been exclusive she prided herself upon the fact that she was never to be seen gossiping upon doorstep or at garden gate in consequence she was regarded as a stuck-up cat she called it keeping herself to herself another cause of her unpopularity with the housewives of fenton street was the way she stared at their windows as she passed there was in that look criticism and disdain and it inspired her neighbors with fury the more so because of their impotence Mrs. Bindle judged a woman by her windows, and by the same token condemned her. Fenton Street knew it, and treasured up the memory. It was this attitude towards their windows, more than Mrs. Bindle's exclusiveness in the matter of front-door or back-door gossip, that made her unpopularity with those among whom circumstances and the jerry-builder had ordained that she should spend her days. She regarded it as a virtue not to be on speaking terms with anyone in the street. For the most part, Mrs. Bindle and her immediate neighbors lived in a state of armed neutrality. On the one side was Mrs. Sawney, a lath of a woman with an insatiable appetite for scandal, and the mouth of a scold, whose windows were, in Mrs. Bindle's opinion, a disgrace. On the other was Mrs. Grimps, a big jolly-looking woman who laughed loudly at things about which Mrs. Bindle did not even permit herself to think in spite of the armistice that prevailed there were occasions when slumbering dislike would develop into open hostilities the strategy employed was almost invariably the same just as were the forces engaged these encounters generally took place on tuesdays mrs bindle's washing day to a woman fenton street washed on monday and the fact of mrs bindle selecting tuesday for the cleansing of her household linen was in the eyes of other housewives a direct challenge it was an endeavour to vaunt her own superiority and fenton street despite its cockney good nature found it impossible to forgive what it regarded as swank the result was that occasionally fenton street gave tongue sometimes through the medium of its offspring At others from the lips of the women themselves mrs grimps and mrs sawney had conceived a clever strategy which never failed in its effect upon their victim on mrs bindle's washing days when hostilities had been decided on mrs grimps would go up to the back bedroom window whilst mrs sawney would stand at her back door or conversely from these positions the fences being low they had an excellent view of the back garden of number seven and would carry on a conversation, the subject of which would be Mrs. Bindle, or the garments she was exposing to the public gaze. The two women seemed to find a never-ending source of interest in their neighbor's laundry. Being intensely refined in all such matters, Mrs. Bindle subjected her weekly wash to a strict censorship, drying the more intimate garments before the kitchen fire. This evoked frankly expressed speculation between her two enemies as to how anyone could live without change of clothing. In her heart Mrs. Bindle had come to dislike, almost to dread, washing days, although she in no way mitigated her uncompromising attitude towards her neighbours. When, on the Wednesday morning, following one of these one-sided battles, Mrs. Bindle went out shopping, her glances at the front windows of Mrs. Grimp's house or those of Mrs. Sawney, according to the direction she took, were steadier and more critical than ever mrs bindle was not one to strike her flag to the enemy soon after nine on the tuesday morning after sandy had constituted himself a causus belly mrs bindle emerged from her scullery carrying a basket full of clothes on the top of which lay a handful of clothes pegs placing the basket on the ground she proceeded to wipe with a cloth the clothesline which bindle had put up before breakfast the sight of her neat, angular form in the garden was the signal for Mrs. Grimps to come to her back door, whilst Mrs. Sawney ascended her stairs. A moment later the back window of number 9 was thrown up with a flourish, and the hard face of Sandy's mistress appeared. It was a curious circumstance that, although there was never any prearrangement, Mrs. Sawney always seemed to appear at the window just as Mrs. Grimps emerged from her back door, or the order would be reversed. Never had they been known both to appear together, either at window or at door. Their mutual understanding seemed to be that of the ancient pair in the old-fashioned weather indicator. "Good morning, Mrs. Grimps," called Mrs. Sawney from her post of vantage. "Good morning, Mrs. Sawney," responded Mrs. Grimps. "Beautiful day, ain't it?" "Fine, dryin' weather," responded Mrs. Sawney. "I see you got your washin' finished early yesterday." "'Yes, and a rare lot there was this week,' said Mrs. Sawney, settling her arms comfortably on the window-sill. "'You had a tidy bit, too, I see?' "'Yes,' replied Mrs. Grimps, picking a back tooth with a hairpin. "'Mr. Grimps is like Mr. Sawney must have his clean pair of pants every week. He must in a shirt and vest, too. I tell him he ought to have been a millionaire.' ah oh, said mrs sawney i sometimes wishes my husband would be content with calico linings to his trousers like some folks i could name He's afraid of them rubbing him he says but then he always was clean in his habits this remark was directly levelled at mrs bindle's censorship of everything appertaining to nether laundry "'Well, I must say I sympathizes with them,' remarked Mrs. Grimps, returning the hairpin to where it belonged. "'When I sees some folks washing, I says to myself, I says, "'What can they wear underneath?' "'And well, you might, Mrs. Grimps?' cried Mrs. Sonny meaningly. "'Perhaps they spend the money on pink ribbons to tie up their lace curtains. "'It's all very well to make a show with your windows, but—' "'With the air of one who has made an important discovery—' you can't be clean unless you're clean all over i says whilst these remarks were being bandied to and fro over her head mrs bindle had been engaged in pegging to the clothes-line the first batch of her week's wash her face was grimmer and harder than usual and there was in her eyes a cold grey look suggestive of an iron control yes proceeded mrs grimps i always have said and always shall that it's the underneath's what mrs bindle stuck a peg in the corner of a tablecloth, and taking another from her mouth she proceeded to the other end of the tablecloth and jabbed that too astride the line always have dainty lingerie harriet my poor mother used to say continued mrs sawney and i always have after all who wants three pillow-cases a week this was in the nature of a direct challenge as mrs bindle had just stepped back from attaching to the line a 3rd pillowcase which immediately proceeded to balloon itself into joyous abandon if you are religious you don't ought to be cruel to dumb animals announced mrs grimps throwing water over the poor creatures that sort never is kind to anything but theirselves commented mrs Sawney, with the air of one who is well versed in the ways of the devout each time mrs bindle emerged from her scullery that morning her two relentless neighbors appeared as if by magic and oblique pleasantries ebbed and flowed above her head the episode of mrs bindle's lockout was discussed in detail the goody-goody qualities affected by some people were commented on in relation to the more brutal instincts they occasionally manifested the treatment that certain pleasant-spoken husbands whom it was a pleasure to meet received from their wives whose faces were like vinegar on the point of a needle left both mrs grimps and mrs sawney incapable of expressing the indignation that was within them when bindle came home to dinner he found mrs b with a temper wot ad got a nasty edge on it as he expressed it to one of his mates on his return to work he was too wise however to venture an inquiry as to the cause he realised that to ask for the wind might mean reaping the whirlwind immediately after the meal mrs bindle proceeded to clear the lines to make room for another batch she hoped to get done whilst her neighbours were at dinner but she had not been in the garden half a minute before her tormentors appeared i been thinking of keeping a few fowls remarked mrs sawney her mouth full of bread and cheese just a handful of cocks and a few ends and she winked down at mrs grimps as mrs bindle pegged a lace window-curtain on the line "'having first subjected it to a vigorous rubbing with a duster. "'And very nice, too,' agreed Mrs. Grimps. "'I must say I likes an egg for my tea,' she added. "'Only them cocks do fight so.' "'Well, I shouldn't get too many,' continued Mrs. Sawney. "'Say three cocks and three ends. "'They ought to get on nicely together.' these remarks had reference to a one-time project of mrs bindle to supply her table with new-laid eggs in the pursuit of which she had purchased three pairs of birds equally divided as to sex that was the only time i ever enjoyed a bit of cock on my own bindle was wont to remark when telling the story of mrs bindle's application of the rule of monogamy to a fowl run he had made one endeavour to enlighten mrs bindle upon the fact that the domestic cock she insisted on the term rooster had neither rounded cape turk nor weathered seraglio point but he was told not to be disgusting mrs bindle's invariable rejoinder when sex matters cropped up he had therefore desisted enjoying to the full mrs bindle's efforts to police her new colony in those days the bindle's back garden had been a riot of flying feathers belligerent cocks and squawking hens chivied about by mrs bindle armed with a mop or broom Mrs. Sawney and a Mrs. Telcher, who had preceded Mrs. Grimps in the occupancy of number 5, had sat at their bedroom windows, laughing until the tears ran down their dubious cheeks and their sides ached. When their mirth permitted, they had tendered advice, but for the most part they were so weak from laughing that speech was denied them. Mrs. Bindle's knowledge of the ways of fowls was limited, but it embraced one important piece of information, that without roosters, hens would not lay when bindle had striven to set her right he had been silenced with the inevitable don't be disgusting she had reasoned that if hens were stimulated to lay by the presence of the male bird then a cavalier each would surely result in an increased output the fowls however had disappeared as suddenly as they had come and thereafter bindle realized that it was neither safe nor politic to refer to the subject it had taken a plate of rice hurled at his head from the other side of the kitchen to bring him to this philosophical frame of mind for weeks afterwards the children of fenton street would greet mrs bindle's appearance with strange crowing noises which pleased them and convulsed their parents for mrs bindle's fowls had become the joke of the neighbourhood i must say i likes a man what's got a pleasant word for every one remarked mrs sawney some two hours later as mrs bindle picked up the clothes-basket containing the last of the day's wash and made for the scullery door even when he ain't appy in his own life she added as the scullery door banged to for the day and mrs grimps concurred as she disappeared to catch up with the day's work as best she could and prepare the children's tea Three. That evening at supper, Bindle heard what had been withheld from Mrs. Grimps and Mrs. Sawney, Mrs. Bindle's opinion of her neighbors. With great dexterity, she managed to link him up with their misdeeds. He should have got on as his brother-in-law, Mr. Hardy, had got on, and then she would not have been forced to reside in a neighborhood so utterly dead to all sense of refinement and proper conduct. Bindle had come to regard Tuesdays as days of wrath, and he usually managed to slip out after supper with as little ostentation as possible reasoning that religion and cleanliness were productive of such mental disturbances he was frankly for what he called a dirty athen but he was wise enough to keep his views to himself if you were a man you'd stop it she stormed allowing me to be insulted as i've been to-day but how can i stop you and them a-scrapping HE PROTESTED WITH CORRUGATED FOREHEAD. YOU CAN GO IN AND TELL THEM THAT YOU WON'T HAVE IT. BUT THEN Sawney AND Grimps WOULD START ON ME. THAT'S WHAT IT IS, YOU'RE AFRAID, SHE CRIED TRIUMPHANTLY. IF YOU WAS A MAN YOU'D HIT BACK, BUT YOU'RE NOT. BUT I AIN'T A GOIN' TO START FIGHTIN' BECAUSE SOMEONE SAYS I DON'T WEAR. STOP IT, AND BINDLE STOPPED IT. WHY DON'T YOU DO SOMETHING LIKE MR. HEARTY, DEMANDED MRS. BINDLE AS HE PUSHED BACK HIS CHAIR AND ROSE she was determined not to be deprived of her scapegoat at least not without another offensive he paused before reply making sure that his line of retreat was open the grocering success of her brother-in-law was used by mrs bindle as a whip of scorpions arty don't do things he replied sidling towards the door he does people and with footwork that would have made a champion flyweight envious he was out in the passage before mrs bindle could retort long and late that night she pondered over the indignities to which she had been subjected during the day there were wanton moments when she yearned to be able to display to the neighbors the whole of her laundry and bindles herself a connoisseur of garments that passed through the wash tub, she knew that those of her house could hold their own as joyously white and playful in the breeze as any that her neighbors were able to produce She had suffered with a still tongue, yet it had not turned aside wrath, particularly her own wrath. Instinctively her thoughts reverted to the time when an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth were regarded as legal tender. All that night and the next day she pondered. When Bindle returned on the Wednesday evening he found her almost light-hearted. Gospel Bells, Mrs. Bindle's favorite hymn, was going with a rare swing and during the meal that followed she was bordering on the conversational. Several times he regarded her curiously. "'Something's up,' he muttered, but, too wise in his experience, he made no endeavour to probe the mystery. For the rest of the week, Mrs. Bindle spent every odd moment she could spare from her domestic duties in collecting what she mentally described as rubbish. She went through each room with a tooth comb. By Saturday night she had accumulated in the wash-house a pile of odds and ends which, as Bindle said, would have been enough to start a rag-and-bone shop. Curiously enough, Mrs. Bindle did not resent his remark. Instead, she almost smiled, so marked was her expression of grim complacency. On Sunday at chapel she sang with a vigor and fervency that attracted to her the curious gaze of more than one pair of eyes. "'Mrs. B.'s got something in her stockin.' mumbled bindle as he rose from the supper-table that night never seen her so cheery oh in all my puff i hope it ain't drink monday morning dawned and mrs bindle was up an hour earlier than usual still almost blithe in her manner shouldn't be surprised if she's a-goin to run away with old earty muttered bindle as he took from her almost gracious hands his third cup of tea at breakfast you sings like a two-year-old lizzie he ventured i like them little twiddly bits what you been puttin into that m the twiddly bits to which bindle referred was her rendering of bells as a word of three syllables Be a you get on with your breakfast was her retort but there was about it neither reproach nor rancor again he looked at her curiously can't make her out these last few days he muttered as he rose and picked up his cap something's up mrs bindle proceeded to wash up the breakfast things to the tune of hold the fort from time to time during the morning she would glance out of the window to see if mrs grimps or mrs sawney had yet begun to hang out they were usually late but this morning they were later than usual it was after ten before mrs grimps appeared with the first basket of wet clothes she was followed a few minutes later by mrs sawney the two women exchanged greetings the day was too busy a one for anything more as they pegged the various items of the week's wash to their respective lines mrs bindle watched from the back bedroom window her eyes like points of steel her lips a grim gray line she was experiencing the sensations of the general who sees the enemy delivered into his hands As soon as Mrs. Grimps and Mrs. Sawney had returned to their wash-tubs, Mrs. Bindle descended to the scullery, where lay the heap of rubbish she had collected during the previous week. With great deliberation she proceeded to stuff it into a clothes-basket, by means of which she transported the mass to the bottom of the garden, a proceeding which required several journeys. Mrs. Sawney and Mrs. Grimps were too busily occupied to concern themselves with the movements of their neighbour her task completed mrs bindle returned to her domestic duties and in due time ate a solitary dinner bindle being engaged too far away to admit of his sharing it with her she then proceeded upstairs to perform her toilette as on monday afternoon she always arranged to go out dressed this in itself was a direct challenge to fenton street which had to stay at home and attend to the cleansing of its linen her toilette finished mrs bindle slipped into the back bedroom below her two neighbours were engaged in hanging out the second instalment of their wash the first batch having been gathered in ready for the mangle after that they would eat their midday meal although no gossip mrs bindle was not unobservant and she knew the movements of her neighbours as well as they knew hers a quarter of an hour later the front door of number seven banged too mrs bindle in brown alpaca a brown bonnet with a dash of purple and biscuit-coloured gloves was going to see her niece milly dixon Nee hearty with whom she had arranged to spend the afternoon four mrs sawney mrs sawney come and look at your clothes mrs grimps her hands on the top of the fence shouted her thrilling appeal across the intervening garden mrs sawney appeared as if propelled from her scullery door by some unseen force for a moment she stood blinking stupidly as dense volumes of smut-laden smoke ascended to the blueness of heaven from the garden of number seven it was only the smoke however that ascended one glance at the piebald garments hanging from her linen lines was sufficient to convince mrs sawney of that it's that woman she almost screamed as she began to pound at the fence dividing her garden from that of mrs bindle i'll show her yes but what about the mrs grimps broke off stifled by a volume of dense black smoke that curled across to her look at them smuts mrs bindle had taken the precaution of adding some paraffin and colza oil to her bonfire which was now blazing merrily sending forth an ever-increasing deluge of smuts as if conscious of what was expected of it mrs sawney continued to bang on the fence whilst mrs grimps dashed through her house and proceeded to pound at mrs bindle's front door with a vigour born of hate and desperation she's gone out the information was vouchsafed by a little boy in petticoats who had toddled uncertainly from the other side of the street and now stood clinging to the railings with grubby hands mrs grimps scurried back again to the scene of the disaster She was just in time to see Mrs. Sawney take what appeared to be the tail end of a header into Mrs. Bindle's back garden, displaying in the process a pair of stockings that owed little to the wash tub and less to the darning needle. Get some water, she gasped as she picked herself up, and once more consigned her hosiery to the seclusion of her skirts. Mrs. Grimps dashed into the scullery. A minute later she reappeared with a large pail from which water slopped as she walked with much grunting and a considerable wetting of her own clothes she succeeded in passing it over the fence to her neighbour with one hand grasping the handle and the other the rim at the base mrs sawney staggered towards the fire and inverted the pail then with a scream she dropped the pail threw her apron over her head and ran from the cloud of steam and the deluge of blacks that her rash act had occasioned art yourself inquired mrs grimps solicitously as she gazed mournfully at her ruined wash upon which big flakes of black were descending like locusts upon the fair lands of ferroa mrs sawney removed the apron from her head and blinked up at the sky as if to assure herself that the blessing of sight was still hers the wicked cat she vociferated when she found that no damage had been done come on let's put it out she exhorted as with a swift movement she picked up the pail and handed it over the fence to the waiting mrs grimps ten minutes later the fire was extinguished but the washing was ruined mrs sawney gazed across the fence at a disheveled caricature of mrs grimps with the full consciousness that she herself must look even worse she also realized that she had to make the return journey over the fence under the critical eyes of mrs grimps and that to climb a fence without an exposure of leg was an impossibility both women were wet to the skin as neither had proved expert in the handling of brimming pails of water over a wooden fence both were spotted like the pard both were in their hearts breaking dire vengeance upon the perpetrator of the outrage who just at that moment was alighting from a tram at hammersmith throughout that afternoon mrs sawney and mrs grimps waited grim-lipped and hard-eyed they waited fenton street was to see something that it had not even dreamed of mrs sawney and mrs grimps had decided unanimously to shower their offspring had been instructed that at the sight of mrs bindle they were to return hot foot and report the children had told their friends and their friends had told their mothers with the result that not only mrs sawney and mrs grimps but every housewife in fenton street was on the qui vive soon after six there were cries of here she comes as if mrs bindle had been the boat race followed by a sudden stampede of children mrs sawney and mrs grimps rushed to action quarters mrs sawney gave a stir to a pail of black lead and water behind the front door whilst mrs grimps seized a soft broom which she had saturated in water used for washing up the dinner things the children clustered round the gate and hung on the railings housewives came to their doors or appeared at their bedroom windows fenton street loved drama the bigger the d with which it was spelled the more they enjoyed it behind their front doors mrs sawney and mrs grimps waited and watched Suddenly the crowd that had attached itself to the railings began to melt away, and the babble of clattering voices died down. Several women were seen to leave their garden gates and walk up the street. Still the two grim-faced women waited behind their street doors. At length, as the last child left the railings and tore up the street, both women decided that something must have happened. The sight of Mrs. Sawney at her door brought Mrs. Grimps to hers, just as Harriet, the nine-years-old daughter of Mrs. Sawney, rushed up breathless she's coming gasped the child whereat both women disappeared mrs sawney to grasp the handle of her pail and mrs grimps to seize her broom. when mrs bindle appeared the centre of an eddying mass of children with a few women on the outer fringe she was carrying in her arms a child of about five who was whimpering pitifully her bonnet had slipped back her right hand from which the biscuit-coloured glove had been removed was stained with blood whilst her umbrella was being carried as if it were a sacred relic by a curly-headed little lad who was living his hour at the sight of the procession mrs sawney let the handle of her pail fall with a clang whilst mrs grimps dropped her broom it's my enter she screamed as she bolted down the garden path oh my god he's dead get some hot water ordered mrs bindle as she pushed the mother aside and entered the gate he's cut his leg Followed by Mrs. Bindle, Mrs. Grimps bolted into the house. There was something in Mrs. Bindle's tone that brooked of no delay. Watched by Mrs. Grimps, Mrs. Sawney, and several of their friends, Mrs. Bindle washed the wound and bound it up with clean white rag in place of her own blood-soaked handkerchief, and she did her work with the thoroughness with which she did everything. When she had finished, she took the child in her arms, and for an hour soothed it with the assurance that it was the bravest little precious in all the world. When she made to transfer her burden to its mother's arms, the uproar that ensued decided Mrs. Bindle to continue her ministrations. It was ten o'clock before she finally left Mrs. Grimps's house, and she did so without a word. "'Who'd have thought it?' remarked Mrs. Sawney, as Mrs. Bindle closed the gate. "'She's got away with kids,' admitted Mrs. Grimps. "'I will say that for her,' and in turning back along the dark hall she fell over the broom with which she had intended to greet her neighbor mrs sawney returned to her own house and hurled a saucepan at sandy a circumstance which kept him home for two days and three nights he was not a cat to take undue risks End of chapter two read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california Shaggybark.blogspot.com. dot dot com